ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States of America. Title 42 is going to go away before the end of the year in terms of the Supreme Court, my prediction. And then we're going to have to use Title 9, Title 8. 8, right? Am I right? Yeah, Title 8. 8, 9. <laughs> this has been the President of the United States of America. May God have mercy on our souls. Stu does America. Best part about that Biden clip was Kamala's embarrassment in the background. When, when someone as incoherent as Kamala Harris is embarrassed for what's happening, you know it's pretty bad. Go to blazetv.com slash Stu. Join us on our mission to take over the world. Yes, use the promo code Stu and save yourself 10 bucks. If you're watching on YouTube, like this video now, subscribe, hit the bell, do all the things. Brian Lilly is going to be here to talk about Canada's war on Jordan Peterson. Biden's first trip to the border is what you'd expect, an embarrassment like everything else that he does. But we start by doing Kevin McCarthy. I'm sure this is actually me doing Kevin McCarthy is actually only the second worst thing that's happened to him lately. Uh, a little bit of a rough time over the past couple of weeks for Kevin McCarthy. Good old Kevy having a, couple, a tough couple of days. He eventually did wind up victorious, though, after a long back and forth, 15 votes. The most since the Civil War era, as we've been reminded over and over again by the media. More, uh, it's, there hasn't been any multiple vote situations in 100 years. He does get through, though, eventually getting a bunch of the holdouts to vote present, which puts him over the line. Now, the back and forth was become, between a bunch of people on the Freedom Caucus sort of thing, side of things going to McCarthy and saying, hey, we don't think you're going to be good at this, so let me give you, can we get a bunch of rules to promise that you actually will do some things right, and then we'll let you have the job? That's basically what happened. A few of the things uh, we saw here, first of all, was a threat, basically. N normally, you have 50 votes from, a con from Congress people getting together to say, hey, we want to throw the Speaker of the House out. Uh, initially, McCarthy negotiated that all the way down to five, so only five members would have to say, hey, we think this guy sucks, let's have a vote on it. Now they lowered it again to one. So now any individual member of the majority can say, hey, uh, can we have a vote on this uh, crappy Speaker of the House? So how long is Kevin McCarthy gonna have this job? We don't know, but it would have to survive a vote anyway if he was gonna be thrown out. A uh, Couple things that are, I don't know, pretty notable and, and obviously good. 72 hours to review bills before they come to the House floor. Does that sound sensible? You got a 2,000 page bill coming through. Maybe you get a couple days to read it. This isn't uh, too much to ask, is it? Uh, the rules package includes votes on bills relating to sticking points to uh, conservative lawmakers, including border security, abortion, uh, and term limits. Uh, it's great to have a vote for those things, sensible things to hold out for. Um, you know, there's a bunch of stuff about appropriations bills that I'm, I'm going to try not to, I'm, I'm trying to stay awake for this part of the monologue, so I'm gonna, not going to go through all those uh, details. The, the big investigations to go after what happened if the, if the government was weaponized, if the FBI, if the CIA had been weaponized, they're going to have an investigation into that. Uh, some raising uh, debt ceiling type of stuff versus spending cuts. You know, some of it will hold, some of it will fade. But generally speaking, some really good changes from the holdouts on the conservative side. Now, look, I haven't spoken all that much about this because I don't really care all that much who the Speaker of the House is, frankly. Uh, I don't know, Kevin McCarthy doesn't seem like he's gonna be great at this. But then again, it's really hard to pick a guy that everyone will vote for. This is not an easy job, it's not. 
we can all say, hey, we'd like to have someone who's more conservative. I would like to have someone who's more conservative than Kevin McCarthy. But of course, the annoying most liberal member of, of the House does not want that. And he can say no or she can say no. You get five or six of them together and then we have another holdout. So it's a very difficult process. Here's uh, for his part, Kevin McCarthy. He had uh, finally got through all this. Uh, there was some back and forth. You may have seen with uh, Matt Gates and uh, uh, and McCarthy and others where they started yelling at each other, got a little heated here and there. OK. And eventually the votes came through. Here's what McCarthy said he would do with the first moments of his speakership. I know the night is late, but when we come back, our very first bill will repeal the funding for 87,000 new items. You see, we believe government should be to help you, not go after you. Hmm. He also talked about the swamp and how they're going to hold the swamp accountable. We will hold the swamp accountable from the withdrawal of Afghanistan to the origins of COVID and to the weaponization of the FBI. Let me be very clear. We will use the power of the purse and the power of the subpoena to get the job done. Look, all those investigations are good ideas. I mean, how do we not have a really good investigation into the origins of COVID by now? I mean, it's, it's unbelievable that that hasn't already occurred. Afghanistan, 100%. There has to be an investigation on how, how that fell apart. We're going to find out a lot of things. The investigations will probably be the most fruitful part of a Republican-led House. Because honestly, that's about all they can do. They can say they're going to do a bunch of other stuff. They can pass bills to do these other things. They can have great votes that will show that they're the ones, uh, you know, with majority held positions. Term limits is a great example of this. Uh, Republicans should, I've been saying this for years, Republicans should eat up term limits as a number one priority for every single uh, argument they make in front of people. They should be talking about term limits. Why? Well, it's mo one of the most popular things in our discourse. About 80% of people agree with term limits. It would show, um, not only would it show uh, an alignment with the conservative principles of wanting less centralized power among too few people, you'd be switching people out more often. Um, but in addition to that, it would also just kind of indicate, hey, we don't, we're not desperate for power. Now, that's kind of tough for Kevin McCarthy to pull off credibly at this point because this dude wanted this job really bad. Now look, maybe he'll do a great job. I'm open to hoping for the best. However, uh, you know, usually when someone wants a job this badly, it doesn't always turn out this well. Now, I can be critical of Kevin McCarthy. He doesn't care if I'm critical of him. But, you know, people on the right being critical of Kevin McCarthy is part of the gig, right? We're judging our guy, uh, on the, uh, supposedly on the right. He's going to be leading a Republican House, and if there's any hope for anything good happening in our government, he's basically it at this point. What's funny about this, though, is the media just eat this, ate this stuff up. 15 votes, this was catnip to the media. Catnip. They loved it. In fact, all they wanted to do was talk about how humiliating this was for Kevin McCarthy. Give you some examples. You have the traditional, the humiliation, of Kevin McCarthy. The update, kind of prequel, the behind the humiliation of Kevin McCarthy. Then you have Kevin McCarthy's humiliation is getting embarrassing for the whole Republican House. And of course, the stylish, the humiliation of Kevin McCarthy will continue until morale improves. This is what the media was saying. But is it that big of a deal? Did you really care about this at all? 
I got to be honest with you. I didn't really care all that much about it. 15 votes in the House. Do you care that much about this? Were you on the edge of your seat to see if Kevin McCarthy would get 214 votes or 216 votes? Did you care all that much? It's a mild, I get mildly entertaining back and forth palace drama sort of nonsense that the media eats up. But this is a great example of what the media cares about and what average people don't. Do people really care what the, the, the relationship between Kevin McCarthy and Matt Gates is? Does anyone really care about that outside of those two? And I don't even know if those two really care. It's just one of these things where, you know, maybe as part of democracy, it's maybe sensible to have 15 votes for a House speaker. Look, you want to have one vote for a House speaker. I got a great path for you. Uh, win 250 seats. Then it becomes really easy to pick whoever the heck you want. But when you have 222 seats, which is just four or five over what you need, I, I hate to tell you this, but like you're probably going to have a tough time pushing things through. And the pushback to this, I, this point, I think, is, is interesting. And I think it proves something and tells us something that is fundamentally true about our politics right at this moment. The Democrats, the past two years, had a very small majority as well. In fact, there are people like the squad threatening to do the exact same thing that happened with Kevin McCarthy. The exact same thing. Lots of votes. We're going to make you pay. We're going to make you give us all sorts of, of, of penalties and rules and everything else so we, to get our votes. We went through this whole threatening uh, escapade with people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Ilan Omar and, and the squad and, and squad-adjacent types, the people who don't get the press but are just as... Pro- Maxine Waters, just as progressive, just as nuts, but don't get, they, don't get, they don't have an Instagram page, so we don't hear from them quite as much. I hope, you know, I don't know that for a fact. I should, correction, I hope Maxine Waters does not have an Instagram page because it would be among the most disturbing sites on the internet. And I include 4chan in that discussion and 8chan and 16chan. And if there, if it exists, 32chan. I think it was 4chan, 8chan, 16chan, 32chan, and then Maxine Waters' Instagram page in, in order of how disturbing the content is. But the bottom line here is that there are plenty of people who look at someone like Nancy Pelosi on the left and say, hey, you're not going far enough, fast enough. Nancy Pelosi's argument is, well, I want to win elections. We have to be pragmatic. I want to be super liberal as well, but we have to take it step by step by step and be progressive. And AOC is like, no, let's just 1917. Let's just go for it. Let's just uh, revolution and we'll just implement socialism. Why bother with all this waiting? And that's the debate on the left. And so why didn't this happen with the squad last time? Why didn't the squad, why did the squad threaten to do these things to block and and stop uh, these and make it go to vote after vote after vote for Nancy Pelosi? Why didn't it happen last time? Some people will say, well, Nancy Pelosi is just such a good speaker. She was just able to get everybody in line. But I don't think that's the reason. The real reason why And the big difference between the Democrats and the Republicans is this. AOC looks at Nancy Pelosi's approach and says, you know what? She's not going far enough, fast enough for me. I want universal health care right now. I want all these things. And that branch of the party, the branch that's overtly socialist, does not like the approach of Nancy Pelosi. But in their heart, in their mind, in their soul, they know they are both aligned on one thing which is moving the country far to the left as quickly as is possible. 
they disagree on how quickly uh, that that is. They disagree on the pace. They disagree on the scope. But they agree on the fact that they would both like to move the country far to the left. That is something they are aligned on. So AOC can comfortably come to the end of her day and say, hey, you know, look, they're not going to give us uh, universal health care tomorrow, but we'll get multiple trillion dollar spending bills through and we'll get a bunch of stuff done. And the president will do a bunch of stuff that, you know, he's not really allowed to do, like student loan relief or whatever. We'll get a bunch of this stuff done. I know we're all working to move from one side to the other. This is not the truth with the Republican Party. People on the right who are actually constitutional conservatives do not look at the rest of the Republican Party and say, hey, I disagree with their approach here, but we're both aligned to move this country to the right. We're both aligned to take the government and make it smaller. We're both aligned that centralized power in Washington is a really bad idea. They might not want to come as far as me, but they have the same soul, the same mind, the same heart. People who are in the Freedom Caucus People who like conservative values, who believe in a constitutional government, do not see that at all in the modern Republican Party. What they see in the modern Republican Party is a group of people who want to go to the left, just like Nancy Pelosi, just like AOC, just at a maybe slower rate. That's not exciting to anybody, and it does not elicit any need for trust from actual conservatives. They look at this whole process and correctly say, You guys aren't trustworthy. We're not going to give you any slack at all. It's completely appropriate. It's the difference between the Republicans and the Democrats. You can keep a a group of people aligned when, generally speaking, they all believe the same thing. Yeah, they'll disagree on the details, sure. But on the Republican side, that's just not the case. The people on the conservative side of the Republican Party look at the other people in the Republican Party and say, we got very little in common here. The only thing we have in common is we don't want to be as terrible as them. That's it. Outside of that, we have very little in common. How do we come to any sort of uh, common belief? Well, this is why this was challenging. It's why it took 15 votes. It's why it took a big rules package to get through. Now, of course, there's a lot of dishonesty in the media. There's a lot of dishonesty coming from the left as well. Let me give you this from uh, this is uh, uh, Catherine Clark, House Democrat whip Catherine Clark, talking about all the incredibly dangerous, damaging things the Republicans were doing by not getting a House speaker elected. Democrats stand ready at all times to work for the American people. Yeah. And it is exactly the American people and the solutions they need to meet the challenges that were completely left out mm. of the speaker's chaos we chaos. saw this week. It not only endangered our country's national security, oh, wow. but it also showed that the keys have been handed over to extremists. Mm. This is this is an interesting back and forth with the media where they kept calling Kevin McCarthy completely incompetent and humiliated and, and awful, but at the same time criticized the Freedom Caucus for not voting for him. Well, why would they vote for him if he's so incompetent and terrible and Uh, has no credibility. I don't know. No one knows the answer to that. Um, But also it's a huge, uh, not getting a speaker is apparently a huge um, problem for our national security. Who knew? 
This is a vital national security threat, and the Republicans don't care about our country. Gerald Nadler said the same thing. He said, if there's a real emergency, we couldn't respond. Either the Republicans don't understand that, or they do understand that, and they don't care. I don't know which is worse, but it is a profound danger to the country as long as it lasts. As I asked on Twitter, who could detect the problem with the logic of Catherine Clark or Gerald Nadler? Who can detect what the problem is here. It was a giant national security threat, and you actually cared about the national security of the country. Any one of these Democrats, including Clark or Nadler, could just vote for Kevin McCarthy. They could have eliminated the power of the Freedom Caucus immediately and said, hey, McCarthy is the guy. Let's just put him in. Stop all this. We got to get somebody in place. This is a real national security threat. I mean, They just kept voting for Hakeem Jeffries over and over and over again and giving him 212 votes, which was not enough. And over and over and over again, he he lost. And over and over and over again, they just kept doing it, even while they were criticizing the the Republicans for not passing something because it endangered our national security. Five of them could have been like, hey, look, we know Jeffries isn't getting in there. Let's just vote for McCarthy. In fact, I mean, if they were really smart and thank God they're not, they could have done something Really scary. They could have done something like, hey, what happens if we nominate Liz Cheney? What if 212 Democrats voted for Liz Cheney for House Speaker? Could you have pulled off five or six Republicans to vote along with them to get Liz Cheney? Think of the most crazy liberal you ever see on MSNBC or CNN. Would they have voted with the Democrats to put Liz Cheney in charge? I think there's a chance they would have. Then you would have had real problems uh, if you happen to be someone who does not like Liz Cheney. The bottom line here is that the Democrats, as usual, are terrible, but Republicans aren't much better. They're just slightly better. And while it is understandable to look at the Republican Party right now and see a catastrophic mess and see humiliation and see chaos, all of that is somewhat true. It's not without any merit whatsoever. But again, I remind Democrats that this, these bunch of buffoons, these idiots, These morons, these incompetent dopes, all of these dullards that are currently trying to get Andy or Kevin McCarthy through to be Speaker of the House, all of those people, the reason they're able to vote and win this election and get Kevin McCarthy into the House is because they beat you. You people who are telling them that they're the dumbest, most incompetent people in the world are the same people who lost to the people you're calling incompetent. Internalize that for a moment and think of what you should do with your life. Let me tell you about Bespoke Post and their box of awesome. They've got, I mean, it's not box of awesome. They've got boxes of awesome everywhere. Boxes of awesome, all different categories. I've got one that's like related to travel. So I have some great travel bags that I've uh, gotten from my box of awesome collection. Also, uh, I'm a bit of a, I'm pretty much what I would call indoorsy, but occasionally I do go outdoors. In fact, I had, uh, you know, I like to, I'm the guy who builds the fire outside in the fireplace. And you know, you got to chop up the, the, the logs a little bit. You got to get that stuff going. I got a great axe from um, Box of Awesome. I have an incredible, I got a couple of great knives uh, they've sent me. I don't know who they think I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, out, I'm out there like just 
a machine just like threatening people with knives out in my backyard or something. But they are really, really cool. And I really, really love this stuff. And it's stuff I've never seen before. No one I know has it. Boxofawesome.com. This is what they do. They take answers to a quiz. They say, hey, this is the best stuff for you. And uh, each box is, value, uh, is valued around $70, but you only pay a fraction of that price. 90% of everything that comes in your box of awesome is from a small up-and-coming brand. And I will tell you, you're really going to like this stuff. And if you have a birthday coming up for someone that you care about, a guy who, like, I don't know, maybe your dad or your brother, uh, who, who knows, whoever it is, Get them a box of awesome. They're going to love it, and it's a unique gift that they haven't seen before. It's fantastic. Get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com. Enter the code STEW at checkout. It's boxofawesome.com. Code is STEW. Get 20% off your first box right now at boxofawesome.com. Code STEW. I want to bring up uh, a Toronto Sun Sun columnist, Brian Lilly, uh, back to the program. He has a new piece out right now. It's called Read the Tweets that got Jordan Peterson investigated by College of Psychologists. I will tweet out a link to that here shortly. Make sure to check that out. Brian, how's it going? Not great when I look at those tweets and I realize, wait a minute, this guy's being investigated for retweeting Ben Shapiro? (laughs) We're all in trouble now. It's a weird moment we're in right now. Let's go back to the beginning of this story because I feel like, you know, sometimes, no no offense to my friend, as you know, I'm a Canadian sports celebrity. uh, Big, uh, (laughs) I am actually a Toronto Blue Jays fan and I love, you know, I love, there's parts of Canada that I love. I, I, I certainly love going to Toronto and visiting. It's a great place. But like we, you know, a lot of times I look at Canada and I say, okay, there are a few steps crazier than we are. Just a few, but we're catching up rapidly, but a few steps crazier when it comes to how they handle certain policies. This is just incredibly disturbing, though. Jordan Peterson, you might not like him. I understand that people on the left probably don't like everything he says. He's no hardcore conservative, though, and that wouldn't be an issue anyway. So Tell, take us back to how this all started and what is going on. All right. We can go back to 2016, and Jordan Peterson was somebody you'd never heard of and never would. He was a, an academic. He was a clinical psychologist at the University of Toronto. He objected to a, a law that tried to make it so you could be punished for not using people's preferred pronouns. Now, I haven't heard of anybody prosecuted for that, but yeah, that's there. And that's how he came to prominence. And it was from there, his YouTube channel took off, his books took off. He's written a best-selling book. I, I think it's more than 7 million copies for one of them alone. He does sold out speaking tours all over the place. Um, he now works with Ben Shapiro at the Daily Wire. He's an incredibly popular guy when it comes to um, media and thought, especially around putting your life back together. That's primarily what he talks about. But since then, I've been speaking to Peterson a lot the last little while. We we haven't spoken in a couple of years, even though we live a short walk from each other. Um, But I've been speaking to him and I was like, what's going on here? And he said, ever since he rose to public prominence, people have been laying complaints with the College of Psychologists of Ontario. This is the the regulatory board. It'd be like going to the the state board for the, uh, the doctor or psychologist where you live and saying, oh, this guy's a problem. You got to deal with him. He's not ethical. He's not living up to standards. And it'd be one thing if it were uh, that he wasn't ethical in how he was treating patients. And we've all heard about doctors not treating their patients properly. And that needs to be dealt with. But Stu, I read the quote unquote investigation report into this. 
It's all political. The first tweet that got him in trouble was honestly retweeting uh, Ben Shapiro. And I'm just going to toggle my computer for a second here so I can read it. But Shapiro was uh, tweeting about a bunch of COVID measures at the time. This is December 31st, 2021. And he said, cloth masks are ineffective against Omicron. And he cited CNN. Guess what? That's true. Um, was true then, it's true now. The vaccinated can spread and get COVID. That's true. Uh, the death rate is comparable to the flu, and he cites Chris Hayes for that. Um, depending on where you are and the time of year, that has been accurate at times. It upsets people, but it's been accurate. Uh, other times, by the way, it's been inaccurate, and COVID deaths have been much, much higher. Mm -hmm. it, it depends on the time frame that you're talking about, but this is December 2021. And then he said, many people are entering hospitals with COVID, not from COVID. And he cites Dr. Anthony Fauci. So Peterson retweets this and says that he agrees with it. Enough already. Time to stop. Let people leave, leave, lead their lives. And somebody complains because in addition to that tweet, they always pointed to also pointed to Pierre Polyev, who's the the leader of Canada's Conservative Party now who tweeted out similar complaints about COVID restrictions and said they've got to end. Peterson agreed with that. That's what started it off. And from there, it just gets more and more political until a couple months later, they decide we're opening an investigation because you're tweeting political things. How dare you? I, I mean, here in the United States, the First Amendment is specifically designed to have to allow for political conversations and sometimes views that might not be in the mainstream to exist. Like that's that's what you want from free speech, right? You want not everyone agreeing with each other on every single point. You want to have that ability to be able to say what you believe. It's a central part of a modern civilization to allow that. And yeah. it, it, more and more, Canada seems to be cracking down on this. Uh, well, unfortunately, we keep having this battle and we've had it for the last 15, 20 years where people try and crack down on it. And so uh, let me say a couple of things. If this were, um, because it is a, a board of clinical psychologists deciding who gets a license to be a psychologist and who doesn't. Let's say that Dr. Peterson was going around saying, depression's not real. If you think you're depressed, you're just crazy. Uh, if he was saying things like that, you could probably see a college of psychologists saying, yeah, you can't practice in this profession, but he's making political statements. Um, he's agreeing or disagreeing with people. At one point, there was a complaint because he said, there's no culture of Nazis and white supremacists in Canada. That was another one that people complained about. Co complaints about what he said to Joe Rogan about climate change. Uh, led to him getting this complaint. That should be covered by our charter. So we have the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. And for you, it's the First Amendment. For us, it's uh, Section 2B, freedom of expression. Now, when our founders or our drafters, wasn't our founders, our drafters of the Charter were putting it together, they looked at what you guys had, and you guys had free speech, and you had countless court cases to expand what speech was. Because some people try to say, well, a poster's not speech or a tweet, you know, they could have argued wasn't speech. Mm -hmm. And the courts have expanded it to include a whole bunch of different types of expression. So the, the framers of our charter said, we don't want to put in freedom of speech, which we already had in a different form. But they said, we want freedom of, of expression so that it covers a wider body of, of, of work, of, of ways to express yourself rather than just speech. And it's still being chipped away at by people that think, you shouldn't be allowed to express yourself politically unless you're in line with the moment of the day, which 
inevitably is from a, a left wing point of view. Mm, it's, it really is amazing. And I think, you know, the whole world has gone to this place where even if you say something that is controversial or, I don't know, a bit out of the mainstream, I guess, you know, some of these comments are very much in the mainstream. But even if you say something that's a bit out of the mainstream on politics, we've come to this place where that needs to be considered in your in your professional world, right? Like that, I, I really want a society where that's separate, where like if you do a good job, you do your good job, and then you go and you might attend a rally of a cause that I don't like. Like if I go, to, you know, I, I, I go back to this uh, example from uh, 2000, I guess it was 17, the whole Charlottesville situation that we had here in the United States, this, you know, Unite the Right rally that turned into this, uh, you know, some real racial overtones and uh, all sorts of ugly video that came out of that event. There was violence at the end of it. But there was one guy who went to this event and he seems like he's kind of a racist, honestly. Like the stuff that he said, he seems like he's a bad guy that I would not want to hang out with. However, his day job was making hot dogs, hot dogs at a restaurant. The man was fired from this job as if his racism affected his hot dog production and like i don't know is this the outcome that we want where we fire all the hot dog makers and then as a society we have to pay their unemployment to make sure that they can stay alive it just seems completely crazy why are we going down this road we're not even talking about firing somebody for being racist we're firing somebody for having incorrect political views for deciding that Okay, these facts on COVID mean we should lift restrictions. How dare you lift restrictions on COVID? You're a COVID denier. You're putting people at risk. Wait a minute. He's citing Dr. Fauci. I thought we were all supposed to listen to Dr. Fauci. <laughs> Uh, you know, but but Dr. Fauci said, so, you know, I've seen that during COVID as well. People lost their minds in COVID. You, they would say, listen to the doctors. And the doctors say, well, things are getting better. We can lift restrictions. How dare you stop saying that? You're going to kill people. You Wait a minute. So th this isn't even going as far as saying, you know what, I don't want a racist hot dog vendor. Uh, this, this is saying, oh, well, you retweeted Ben Shapiro. You retweeted the conservative leader of Canada. You can't do that. I, I mean, the, Pierre Polyev, the, the leader of the conservatives, is most likely going to be the next prime minister of this country. And, and the, according to the College of Psychologists of Ontario, retweeting him is a problem and you can lose your psychologist license over this. That is utterly insane. There've been more complaints about Peterson, but again, they don't go to the issue of psychology. They're all on the outside. It's all about politics. Much like, you know, I've been reading this story the New York Times had on their front page the other day. I'm surprised they put it on their front page. This uh, adjunct professor at Hamline College in, in Minnesota, you know, fired for showing a, an image of Muhammad in a religious art class. <laughs> it's, that seems pretty central to religious art. Right? It's one of the main religions that are out there. You know, I, I just feel like we've we've come to this point where the world is going insane. You know, like I, we, you know, I, I don't know. I, I like to blame every. This is a personal policy of mine, Brian. But I like to blame everything on social media. Um, but I do think there is a part, uh, an element here that it, that this is true, where. Because everyone is making public pronouncements about every part of the world every day all the time, they tend to get locked into these really misled viewpoints and they can't find their way out of them because they've publicly pronounced them so strongly. And it, it, it almost eliminates the ability for people to look at and examine their own 
positions and say, gosh, that was wrong. In a way, in the past, I think you just examine that in, in quiet time and then sort of change slowly and hope nobody noticed. That can't happen anymore. So everyone just sticks to wherever they were. And, you know, even when you could say, as you pointed out, there was a time where, you know, more COVID restriction was at least more sensible in theory. When you get to a place where everybody's had it or everybody's been vaccinated and you're past that that crisis point, these people can't back off their views because they said if you didn't agree with them, you were murdering grandma. So how could you yeah. possibly back your, yourself out of that? It's like John Ziegler says this from time to time. It's like the bigger the mistake at the beginning, the harder it is for these people to back out of it. And that's the reverse of the way it should be. I, I, I'll have to agree with you that social media is a big part of the problem. You know, we've all seen the, the meme about what Twitter is really about. You say, I don't like peaches and you get denounced. Well, you didn't mention pineapples, oranges or mangoes. You're clearly biased. Go educate yourself and you're denounced because you don't like peaches. Um, you know, it, it, and that's the way people are. They make these very definitive pronouncements. They, you know, choose a team. They put on a team jersey. It is made, I, I've been covering politics for a long time, well before social media, and it has made it much more tribal. It's always been a tribal thing, but it's become much more tribal. And people seem to believe that if they interact with you, you must agree with them. I don't agree with everything that, that you say on the radio, Stu. Uh, or on uh, on this show, I don't agree with everything that Santa guy you sit next to says <laughs> on, on the radio or on his show. But, you know, I, I, even when I don't agree with you, it's your right to say it. Um, you know, Pierre Polyev uh, put out a video saying, you know, look, this guy's in trouble for retweeting me. Um, that's crazy. And and I'm going to stand up and support him. It doesn't mean I agree with everything he says. I don't agree with any everything everyone says. I'd add to that, I sometimes don't agree with what I say, because as you've pointed out, you sometimes have that moment of self-reflection and say, hmm, was I wrong on this? Should I change? Can, is there a different view and nuance? That doesn't exist as much as it used to because of social media. Yeah, I think it's true. And, and just, honestly, it makes the world more boring uh, because people don't have honest conversations. They're afraid to say anything. And, and honestly, you know, peaches and pineapples, both delicious. Mangoes, you know, I'm okay on. But peaches and pineapples, like two of my favorite fruits. Brian Lilly, uh, Toronto Sun columnist. Uh, you can check out his new uh, column. It's Read the Tweets that got Jordan Peterson investigated by the College of Psychologists. It's an important free speech issue. And, of course, we're big fans of Jordan Peterson as well. So make sure you uh, can uh, check, out it, uh, check out the link. I'll, I'll put it on my Twitter page here in a little bit. Because, as I said, social media is to blame for everything except linking to articles by Brian Lilly. Brian, thanks for coming on the program. Thank you, Stu. All right, if you are a Blaze TV subscriber, I've got big news for you. It's the biggest news you've ever heard, or perhaps it's just notable and not the biggest news you've ever heard. But it's called Off the Record, and Off the Record is really cool. It's the thing we've been doing here at Blaze TV lately, where we do a Q&A with people who are subscribers to the channel, and also uh, just want to ask us questions. It really could be about anything. I was on, the last time I did it, I did it with Pat Gray, and you know, half the questions were about food. So it was just a lot of fun, but also any political questions you have, any, uh, any questions you can think of, really, anything you want to talk about, anything you're worried about is not getting enough attention, all you have to do is go to uh, Blaze TV and sign up. So if you're at blazetv.com uh, slash stew, use the promo code stew, you'll save 10 bucks on your subscription. And then tune in this Wednesday, which is what, two days from now, 
12.30 p.m. Eastern, exclusive event. I'll be answering your questions. You can submit them through the site. It's very easy to do. And then we'll go through a bunch of them and spend some time just answering your questions, any topic, uh, whatever, you, really, whatever you want. Uh, it can be anything, uh, even the stuff that they won't let us talk about on YouTube. Just ask it. Uh, again, it's this Wednesday, 12.30 p.m. Eastern, only on Blaze TV. For our subscribers, blazetv.com slash stew. The promo code is stew to save you 10 bucks. We'll see you Wednesday. Ah, it's New Year's resolution time. You're thinking, maybe I'm going to spend less money. Maybe I'm going to be more fiscally prudent. Well, then you're not doing what the Biden administration is doing, which is the exact opposite. They're going to spend more and more and more and more. They just passed out, like, what was another one-point-something trillion-dollar bill? It's constant with these guys. And all they want to do is print money and make inflation get worse, it seems. So if you're looking at this situation, you're saying, maybe this is uh, not so great in the future. Diversify into gold with Birch Gold. Uh, I know I'm tired of my money being impacted by dumb decisions in Washington, but for over 5,000 years, gold has withstood inflation, uh, geopolitical turmoil, all the crazy things that can happen in the world. Gold has held up. Why? Well, it's, it's got real value. And the great news is you can still actually get it for, the, for a limited time only. In fact, you can own gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account. It's Birch Gold. They make it easy to convert an IRA into a 401k, uh, into, or excuse me, an IRA or 401k into an IRA of precious metals. So what do you got to do to get the information? Text the word STU, that's my name, Stew to 989898. There you can claim your free info kit on gold with over 20 minutes, uh, 20, 20, 20, 20 minutes of experience for sure, but 20 years of experience of converting IRAs and 401ks into precious metals IRAs. Birch Gold can help you out. Protect yourself with gold today by texting Stu to 989898. It's Stu to the number 989898. They get an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, and countless five-stars reviews. Check them out. Birch Gold, zero obligation to make the request. Just text Stu to the number 989898. Get started today with Birch Gold. But it doesn't get to the heart of the issue. And, and quite frankly, the, the processing that happens at the Bridge of the Americas is commercial traffic. There, there are not uh, facilities there to process individuals. And so, you know, maybe the tone of this will change uh, when he goes to the county facility. But, but so far, I mean, this is, this is very much a dog and pony show. Yeah. Mm, yes, the border trip for Biden, a dog and pony show, very much true. His uh, visit was blasted as long overdue. Why has it taken you 50 years to go to the border, Joe Biden? Uh, that is kind of the question people have been asking. Although Abbott asked a different form of that. Greg Abbott, the governor here in Texas, he said um, this uh, visit was two years too late. So it's somewhere between two years and 50 years too late. But it's definitely late. That much we know. Now, Abbott had to give a letter to Joe Biden about the problem in Texas which is odd. You'd think maybe they could get on the phone, flesh things out. Maybe Biden isn't taking his phone calls. I don't know. But the, the handing over the letter is kind of a hilarious part of this. And of course, this is a dog and pony show. We all know this isn't real. It doesn't mean anything for a, a political leader to go down to the border in the first place. And it wasn't, you know, no one cares. No, no conservative cares if Joe Biden goes to the border. No one cares. We say it because it illustrates 
that uh, the idea that he's doing a bad job on the border. We want him to pay attention to the border. We want him to do something right about the border. Whether he goes or not is not really the issue. Now, Biden is getting a lot of pressure from the, his left wing as well. They do want him to go to the border and they want him to lift all the restrictions and I don't know, give, uh, you know, I don't know, ice cream sundaes to all the immigrants or something like that. Uh, that uh, keep all the titles in place and give ice cream sandwiches out. Um, we'll see if that actually winds up happening. Um, now, of course, like North Korea, if you were to go to North Korea right now, uh, that you would have the most incredible experience if they knew you were coming because they would make sure that everything looked perfect. Michael Moore was doing a documentary about Cuban health care. When he arrived in Cuba, you're not going to believe this, the health care was amazing. All the facilities were perfectly clean and well-stocked and everything was perfect. And everyone laughed at Michael Moore saying, you know, you're obviously just a victim of propaganda, you fat moron. That's what everyone said at the time. Well, Joe Biden, a little thinner, uh, but using as much propaganda. Listen to what they were doing in El Paso when, of course, Biden showed up for nine seconds. Of course, this area uh, it was had a lot of police presence. We've been reporting in the past couple of weeks of police coming here. Uh, they've been arresting people for maybe paraphernalia. They had uh, access to, to marijuana, those types of arrests. We spoke to one woman. We asked her, have people been cleaning this area in preparation for President Biden's visit? One woman did tell us that, yes, the city, she has seen city officials or city employees out here cleaning the area in preparation to President Biden's visit. And they came out and cleared out all the homeless people so that Biden could uh, be kept in his dementia filled mind that nothing bad was going on there. This is a catastrophe. And it's, it's a it's a it's been a catastrophe since he got into office. It's getting worse. Title 42 is right there for the taking. At some point, it's going to go away and it's going to get much, much worse. And I will tell you this, it's not just the right, it's the left as well who are complaining about this. This is one of those issues that, that's hitting Biden from both sides and good. Um, one other thing about immigrants here before we go, and I'm not talking about the normal kind of immigrants here where we're talking about coming over the border. I'm talking about the immigrants from places like California. It's getting much, much more intense. Ch changes in public school enrollment show two important things. First of all, you look at this map. And the blue states are the ones where people are going. Uh, and you see the red states in the northeast, uh, in the Great Lakes region, and the west coast are leaving. Where are they going? Florida, Texas, Arizona, the Carolinas, uh, Georgia, uh, and in, in, fact, in fact as well, North and South Dakota, uh, Nebraska as well. You're seeing major increases in the population there. So people are moving from some parts of the country, moving to other parts of the country. The other thing is people are leaving, generally speaking, public schools overall. The increase in, in uh, public school attendance was 0.03%. You might say, well, it's still increasing. Well, not really. When you have a population increase and immigration increase, you'd expect that number to be going up much, much higher. People are leaving the public school system. They're going to private schools. They're going to homeschooling. They're going to alternate forms of education. Now, both of these developments, very positive things for our country. Take a moment and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, of course. Rate and review as well. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars. Paul writes, stupid show. Best stupid show. Enjoy all the insights. We appreciate it, Paul. Thanks, man. Uh, also, on YouTube, follow the show. Click the bell. Uh, make Drop a comment below because the algorithmic engagement comments make the show explode into prominence. We appreciate when you do that. Uh, love this stupid show. 
So do I. Thank you so much for that. Autumn writes, I bought Eric July's comic book for my son for Christmas. He loved it and is looking forward to the next one. Great project from Eric. We, we talked about it with him on Friday's program. Also on Friday's program, we did a Stew Eats America. This comes in on that one. I love the chili Doritos. So they're so freaking good. My family doesn't, which means there's something wrong with them. But at least now I don't have to share. But I like Stu even more now. Thank you so much, Cassandra. And finally, the way Stu shakes and sniffs the bags during Stu Eats America like he's at a fine wine tasting. That's an important part of the process, you know. You open up a bag, a fresh bag of chips you've never had before, and you get that first smell. That's, am I the only person who's doing that? Uh, that's, half, that's half the battle right there. It's a glorious part of the taste testing process. You can get all the Stew Eats America on YouTube and check out whatever fattening snack you should have next.